0: Welcome to The Big Beatles Sort Out. In the first series, I, author and musician Gary Abbott, ranked all the Beatles core catalogue releases with the help of my Beatles expert brother Paul. In series two, we worked our way through an assortment of added Beatles goodies, such as live at the BBC, the anthology series, and the movies. And in series three, we ranked all the post-Beatles singles released in the decade following their breakup. Season four is yet to be announced, but in the meantime, we're still mopping up some leftovers and treats from season three. So please join us as we try to sort out the Beatles. Welcome to kind of series 3 episode 30. As we have kind of officially ended but as Paul realised in the last episode we also haven't.
1: Oh no, no. I made a mistake.
0: Yeah, so we have two songs to score and some bonus bits to chat about too. First though, let's welcome Paul I Forgot Some Wings Songs Exist Abbott. Hello Paul (laughs) I Forgot Some Wings Songs Exist Abbott.
1: Well, there you go. He did a lot, didn't he, in the 70s, and I messed up my spreadsheet somehow. I don't know how, but I did, and we just have to live with that, but we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with that problem. You know, as long things are okay, as long as we can go back and cross-reference and get a definitive list, and as long as nobody starts doing something stupid like releasing or threatening to release a new Beatles song, thus ruining our original series and making us have to do an extra thing, which could happen, it turns out, today. That'll never... What? yeah
0: so do you want to go straight into that then paul let's do the yeah let's beatles. get that out of the way
1: because because i'm sure there'll be this a is... bunch of beatles podcasts doing emergency release <laughs> yeah beatles news things because today that we're recording this is the 13th of june and obviously uh sir paul mccartney is doing all the publicity rounds for his new photograph exhibition and the book that goes with it um, eyes of the storm mm. which looks fascinating and Yeah, so he's doing all these interviews on the radio, on TV, here, there and everywhere. That's an appropriate term. Mm -mm. And he has mentioned, and he has, it's been very frustrating on Twitter today. Right. Um, He has mentioned that basically they have, they, don't know who they are, officially, finished the final Beatles song is what he's put, described it as. And he's used the phrase AI to describe how it's been done. Right. And this has sent people into sort of uh, paroxysms of panic, saying, oh, God, he's going to be doing, you know, all sorts of weird stuff. And actually, what he means is he's used the de- they've used the demixing technology from Peter Jackson. Right, yeah. As they've used on Revolver, as they've used on the Get Back documentary. Yeah. To separate John's voice from a backing thing, which is essentially what they did for... Free as a Bird yeah, and Real Love. And so everyone thinks that this is probably going to be the the third single that was supposed to come out of the anthology called Now and Then. Yes. But obviously didn't come out because famously George Harrison vetoed it. Right. You know, they, they spent a little bit of time doing it and he sort of went, No. And why was that? Well, that's what we don't know. You see, right? Um, don't know whether there was a case of that they couldn't get it together it to actually sound good enough. Reeves. Add enough bits to find an arrangement, yeah, or whether it actually was a case that technically the quality of the tape was yeah. so bad that even with the you know well with the tools available to them in 1995, yeah, they couldn't get to get it together. So that seems to be the implication of what um, Maka is suggesting in these, you know. Hmm. <laughs> interviews, but there's no official word from the Beatles. Nothing from Ringo. Uh, mm. Nothing from the estates of Lennon and Harrison. Uh, so, who knows? But obviously, the, he's, the phrase AI has popped up and it's turned everyone mad. Well, yeah, like it is yeah. anyway. Well, yeah. And quite rightly so, because there is a lot of very horrible, bizarre, morally dubious stuff going on with AI. Mm. In terms of... Well, it's too much to get into now anyway. Right. um, But in this instance ai just means the demixing technology it's like a tool you would find within yeah. something like pro tools or some or, or one of those sorts of things yes it's nothing creepy or weird it's just a, a the more modern way yeah and you know the beatles now have that at their disposal this technology developed exactly for them mm. by peter jackson and his team yeah <laughs> so they're using it yeah so expect to hear a lot more about this stuff but if we get a new beatles song what are we gonna do
0: we'll have to just do the whole yeah. first series again and in there somewhere yeah, are, randomly in there.
1: The, we'll put that ranking the beatles are gonna to have to go back to the beginning as well start
0: yeah yeah because so. yeah, it, it, theirs could all change by by like one mm. and then they'll have to just re- redo the entire series well we'll have to just do it against the criteria and see where it would slot in
1: Yeah, so who knows what... uh, There seem to be a couple of folks suggesting that it might just be Paul doing what he does well, which is, well, I'm publicising one thing. What's a good way to get noticed? Oh, I mentioned something Beatles-y. Yeah. Uh, Has it actually been signed off by Apple? Are they going to do it? If it's the final Beatles thing, as it turns out to be, are they going to stick Carnival of Light on the (laughs) the B side? -side? (laughs) There were some articles
0: about that not long ago as well I was reading. Or was it just just a bit of clickbait because they know that I like the Beatles? Talking yeah, about probably. it generally, I think,
1: but yeah, it's been a very Beatles day. With you know, it would have been anyway with with McCartney in the news doing all this promo stuff for his his photograph book mm. and exhibition, which we should go to when we're down in London. Gary, is it going to be on? Yeah, it's opened in the National Portrait Gallery. Oh, well, we should we should do then, shouldn't we? Then yeah, we should. We'll get tickets for that. Um, and uh, yeah, so there you go. Okay. That was an unexpected thing to be talking about at the, at the top of this episode.
0: Beatles news.
1: Beatles news
0: for all your new Beatles. So, um, okay, well, there we go. Interesting, exciting to thing to look forward to. Of course, if it comes out at mid-seasons, we would do a bonus of some kind. Yeah, it, we, undoubtedly.
1: You won't be able to hear the single over the scrabble of uh, podcast men <laughs> clamouring for their podcast equipment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a strange. Sorry thought isn't it um anyway let's do the let's do the um the, the top of the episode bump don't forget you can keep in touch with us at big underscore sort on Twitter and Instagram or by email to big at gmail.com and do please drop us a review on whatever platform you're listing on if you can and like and share our posts also if you can and thank you to those who have done it recently uh we had a nice five star review not long ago um from yes listen who I want to say thank you to and I am going to Play for
1: time, Paul. Play for time. Okay. Uh, it's, well, it's very nice when people offer up a review and a rating because it's not just because it makes us feel nice, but because it also helps the podcast to get discovered. It gives it more visibility in the various little places that these things might turn up and, you know, the recommendations when people listen to one thing or another. Absolutely. So, and anyway. it was
0: Alan Dace. Thank you, Alan Dace. Thank you. At Audacity on. Um, on Twitter. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes. So. Very pleasing. As we've talked about. Um, oh no. We'll do a Beatles Day as well. Let's do a Beatles Day Paul. Just a little one. Okay. For the 19th of June. I'll do a very, very
1: quick one. Yeah. yeah. For the 19th of June. I've chosen 19th of June 1964. Which is the UK release date for the Long Tall Sally EP. Okay. And I've chosen that just because. I think I've mentioned this before. Probably. I don't know. Maybe it was just in my head when I was thinking about the Beatles. Uh, I like. The notion of the the Beatles EPs because nobody knows nothing about them really, <laughs> you know. Nowadays they're sort of not part. The canon is the albums, yeah, and Past Masters, mm. which scoops up all the EP, the, you know, the various things that were on other bits and bobs. Mm. So it seems bizarre that you know on the nineteenth of June nineteen sixty four this record comes out with four tracks on it: Long Tall Sally, I Call Your Name, the only original song on there, mm. like Lennon McCartney original slow down and matchbox yeah but it gets to like you know it's number 1 in the ep charts mm. but it also gets to number 11 in the singles charts it's you know the domination of, of this stuff yeah. isn't just single album single album or whatever it is these eps which play a really really important role in you know f- filling a sort of price point gap in the market yeah. at the time yeah. but we don't really know about them now as much because they've been absorbed into past masters or whatever. Mm. So it's, it's just, I find that a fascinating little thing. And if I describe the cover of it, it's got the Parlophone logo. It says the Beatles and then long tall Sally down the middle. And then it's a, a four shot of them. John, George, Ringo and Paul all wearing jackets. Um, uh, George is doing some weird sort of elbows in the air strangeness <laughs> thing going on there. But they just cut out against your elbows.
0: A always in the air.
1: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> anyway, higher in the air than they yeah. would normally be. I've never
0: thought of that. And people say, "Put your hands in the air." It's like, well, they're already in the air. And they're
1: F. not in the ground
0: <laughs> or the sea, I suppose. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay, good. Yeah, I, n- I never think of them. I, 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 I always think of the albums, and uh, I have a big poster on my wall behind me, as as um, as you know. Um, of all the Beatles well, album covers, and sometimes people from work on teams meetings will comment on them, and quite quite a lot of people really associate with the red and blue albums, don't they? And I don't because mm. we had the album. I've only ever thought in terms of the album albums.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, they're still, but they are collections, aren't they? And
0: like you say, mop ups of all these things, and I wonder if there's some people out there who are wedded to yeah, the
1: then, EPs. Yeah, the seventies. Obviously, they do a bunch of different. Com- compilation collections including the rock and roll music so mm. all these ones i think on the long tall sally ep i first heard on rock and roll music volume one i yeah, suspect that, it that, is yeah. on tape hmm. it's when people say yeah Great oh stuff. my favorite is the red album it's, like,
0: it's not an album, but but i understand that it's like <laughs> yeah like it is a collection that is when you when you get familiar with a, a series of songs yeah. They become a bigger than the, each individual one. Yeah, I think
1: it? for a lot of people, the Red and Blue albums were really significant in the 70s. And then in the 80s, when all the CDs come out, hmm. they became really, really significant. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so as w- what we'll do, just to let you know what we're doing here, we've talked about there's a couple of songs to mop up for the main Series 3 chart, which we're going to do first. And then we're going to do, do a bit of some other songs that slipped the net, but for legitimate reasons, aren't we, Paul?
1: Yes. So we've got to <laughs> we've got to make up for my mistake. Yeah. And get the chart complete. But there is, as I have hinted at several times, a bunch of associated stuff, mainly in the McCartney verse, yeah. across the McCartney verse, not exclusively, but mainly. And we will talk about those things tonight, yes. today, we shall whatever not, time it
0: is. We shall not be ranking them. We shall just be talking about them, for they are. Yeah. Adjacent.
1: Mm, Pondering I'm, upon them.
0: Yes, so let's, we'll get to that. We'll start with the very last, the very last two of the series three mop ups, and we start again, all very McCartney heavy, with yeah. Venus and Mars rock show Wings. My green suit, i to shoot up the
1: city. And the ring at the end of my nose makes me look rather pretty. It's a pity there's nobody here to witness the end. Save for my dear old friend and confidant Mademoiselle Kitty. Kitty! Kitty! Kitty.
0: Venus and Mars rock
1: show. Paul? Yes. So although we've got two sides of a single to do, we've sort of got three songs because two of them are stuck together here. And you could probably guess this is the lead single from, or the titular single from the album Venus and Mars, which is the follow-up to Band on the Run. It's a very different sort of album. Yeah. Uh, But the info on this is it comes out on the 28th of September, 1975. It did not chart in the UK. Hmm. Up to number 12 in America, hmm. uh, that the flip side is Magneto and Titanium Man, about which we will talk briefly. Um, comes out on Capital, and yeah, so it's two songs stuck together the opening two tracks from the album in hmm. a cut down version. Thankfully, right? <laughs> um, Venus and Mars, uh, um, recorded on the 29th of January 1975 in New Orleans. Uh, and then finished off with overdubs in LA. Rock Show, recorded on the 27th of January 1975 and the 5th of February 1975 in New Orleans, and again, overdubbed in LA. Paul and Linda Credits, produced by Paul. And we have basically Venus and Mars, which is about a minute and a bit, minute and 20 seconds or something. And then we have another couple of minutes worth, two and a half minutes worth of Rock Show, rather than the five and a half minutes, which is on the album, which is too long for the song Rock Show. <laughs>
0: How long? Too long, about two and um, a half minutes.
1: About yeah. five minutes. <laughs> too long. Uh, that said, I was doing my revision listening for this, and I was really enjoying listening to the, the rock show part of it. And it's the first time I've I've really enjoyed listening to it because it is a bit, uh,
0: yeah, it's a bit rocky to me sure, anyway.
1: But yeah, um, so Venus and Mars slash rock show. You've got. Paul, Linda, Denny Lane, Jimmy McCulloch, Joe English, and you've got Tony Dorsey playing the clavinet on Venus and Mars. You also have Alan Toussaint on piano and electric piano for Rock Show, Kenneth Afro-Williams on Congas, and uh, Alan O'Duffy, who I think was an engineer on Cowbell for Rock Show.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Two songs stuck
0: together, quite different. So I didn't know that that they were the first two songs of the album, Cut and Short. Yeah. A strange thing to do, isn't it, to do it that way? I mean, they 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 were without knowing that. You think, well, okay, it, it's a, it's a bit like a you know a a, a Bohemian Rhapsody or a, or a, or a day in the life. You know, it's it's one of that kind of song. In that that has two distinct sections, which are kind of okay, but a strange thing to do to create a single out with the two album tracks. Like They're
1: that. thematically linked, though, aren't they? And that's yeah. Well, I didn't know, the, so the it,
0: it kind of worked for me in a sense. In a sense, but um. Yeah, I mean, also, Paul, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Go on. Sci-fi musical. Yeah. I mean, within the first few seconds, I'm thinking, I sense a sci-fi musical already going here. <laughs> some. En-
1: I can't believe the sci-fi stuff's ended, <laughs> the <whole thing. laughs> ended up as the last one. Yeah, some enigmatic... Except ed- it isn't sci-fi in the slightest, but it, it, you know. No, but it talks about Venus and Mars.
0: Yeah, they're not science fiction. They're real. No, the planets aren't real, Paul.
1: <laughs> oh right. Okay. Talking
0: about some some enigmatic guitar and synth with a distinctly Bowie-esque chord sequences in that first part, isn't it? You know, there's, it's, it's a bit um, Major Tom. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's definitely in that vein. Mention of stars, and then we go all oh, kind of seventies glam nonsense, pseudo rock and roll. From there, yep, a nice bass line to it. There's kind of a nice bass line that it's built around. And it's but it's another one where I don't really know what Paul's saying. Because, uh, like I don't really know what he's singing most of the time in it because it's all just noisy yeah. uh, until until he does it slightly cringeworthy Rocky Horror Show kind of singing bit.
1: Yeah, oh, my stomach turned <laughs> inside out. It's it's,
0: it's it's like oh okay. I mean, if this is the sci-fi musical, it's not the kind of sci-fi musical I'm after. It, no. it does have the feel of a big, daft kind of camp stage song, but I'm more into the War of the Worlds than I am Rocky Horror type of feel. You know, not that I mind Rocky Horror, but I I think you have to have the personality and drive of something like a Rocky Horror to make it work rather than this. Don't you think it's got a very strange feeling of trying to... I don't know where Rocky Horror existed at that point,
1: but it's got Oh, that, I couldn't tell you. I don't know anything about it, really. No, I don't, other than... But other than it's it's this, I can this make this glam boogie scene, yeah, and this is glam boogie, and with a bit kind of a
0: spokeny kind of bit in it. It's it's strange. Um, this doesn't have that context, so it's very strange. In this context, Rocky Horror has it in context of being a, a big overblown thing. This is just a strange thing. Um, it just seems a bit random. It's an interesting artifact. It almost feels like it has the constituent parts of something I should like, but when you put it all together. I like the first bit much more than the second
1: bit. Yeah, I like Venus and Mars a lot. Yeah. Um, I love the sound of it, and I could listen to a lot more of that Yeah, happily, because it's it's enigmatic, it's spacey, it's got nice yeah. little synth sounds on it. It's just um, a shame it
0: stops, and then this next bit happens. So yeah. I've given it 66 for music, because, you know, that's mostly the intro.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny, really. It's... Uh, It's interesting to listen to it on the album, like as album opener, Mm. because obviously Rock Show has been clearly written as a stage show opener Mm. as well, hence that most of the lyrics which we'll get to.
0: Okay. Well, let's go on to production. So like I said, I can't really hear what he's saying most of the time in this after the intro, which isn't a great production note. The intro I can hear him fine, clear and nice, voice is easy to hear, guitars are sparkly, weird flutey synth and piano. And then it just going kind to of go 70s soft fuzz rubbish with an indecipherable voice. I, just, I really can't make out his words until until he goes for that speaky bit. Um, I'm not a fan of this sound in general. For the majority of the song, you know, the two thirds of it. Like a lot of things in the 70s, this sound came and went for good reason, I think. Um, the vocal effect works in the spoken bit. It, it, once you can If you can hear over the sound of your own cringing. Um, the cowbell is too loud. Everything is too loud, and yet not.
1: So. I like a solid cowbell. You do you? Yeah, I like like a solid cowbell. I mean, I agree. It is very very loud. Yeah. I I think that in terms of viewing it purely as a rock production, it, for the period, it's perfect, really. Mm-hmm. And his vocal sounds good as a vocal. I, I don't. Care. But but it it doesn't have like you say it doesn't have clarity. No. So
0: I've given it fifty eight for production so there right.
1: shame i'd like the because on um rock show you've got um jimmy mcculloch playing like the dobro you know the the, the metal guitar slidey sounding guitar on that right which is a nice feature i think is recorded really well into the mix um which makes it gives it a bit of interest rather than just having a me- <laughs> type solo which would have been very cheesy so i like that um yeah production's not too bad for me but uh uh, you know yeah. you're the numbers man I
0: don't know.
1: old Ian numbersman,
0: <laughs> so let's go to lyrics then, so it makes a bit more sense now. I know the intro has got not necessary although' i don't know if it's thematic, let me see what did I say. yeah, so it feels like from a simple rendering that this is just about him going to a show and getting drugs. He scores an ounce at some point, and then it has a random bit of weird camp punk monologue. There's nothing to do with it in the middle.
1: Um, what is Concert Gabo? Concert Gabo. Concert well, let's go through it. Right. Okay. Venus and Mars yeah. is the start of it, sitting in the stand of the sports arena. So that's someone at yeah. the show. So that's, waiting yeah, that's for the that show to, to begin. Yeah. Red and it, and it says, there. A good friend of mine follows the stars, Venus and Mars. And it, so it's slightly about people who are into astrology as well. Yeah. Um, but that's as far as it goes, that you don't get any more. So
0: it says red lights, green lights, strawberry wine. A good friend of mine follows the stars. Venus and Mars are all right tonight.
1: On the album, you have a Venus and Mars reprise later on, so that's a whole different. So thing. in my
0: mind, but, he's setting the scene in that intro. Yeah, he's sitting in the stands, waiting for the show to begin. There's some lights, there's some wine, and a friend of his. He's with a friend or someone who's either a bit of a spaceman in, or literally follows the stars, or is, is a bit of a bit spacey in one way or the other. Then the Mm -hmm. show kind of starts with the rock show. And he says, what's that man holding his hand? He looks like a guy I knew. It's Silly Willy with that Philly band. So, I mean, I don't know what all that means, but it sounds a bit like, is that someone I know? And it's like, oh, who's that guy? He looks.
1: I don't like the line, it's Silly Willy with the Philly band. It's a very annoying set of rhymes. Yeah. (laughs) It's I mean, it just, uh, let's, this is featured in the Paul McCartney lyrics book. Oh. And the main thing he says about it is, we stopped playing it cuz I'm really embarrassed by the words. Okay, well, we go then. So, so it basically all that happens is it's it's a bunch of sort of things to do with live sort of yeah. stadium shows. It's talking about like um Jimmy an amp that's like Jimmy Page's amp. It's yeah. talking about someone with a decibel meter monitoring and then it names loads of venues, so the Concertgebouw mm. is an arena in the Netherlands. Right. And Obviously, Madison Square, Hollywood Bowl, and you talk talking about the rainbow, these are all you know rock venues, yeah, in 70s rock venues. And, um, okay, yeah, I don't know if there's anything in there about drugs at all, Gary. I don't know where you've got no, that. It from. says,
0: um, it says, oh, where is that from? Oh, no, have you just
1: no, no, just, the no. lights go down, they're back in
0: town, okay, behind the stacks, you glimpse an axe. The tension mounts, you score an ounce. Oh, Gary, what
1: you've done there is you've found the lyrics from the album version. Oh. So you've gone into other verses that aren't relevant here.
0: Are they they not? Well, that's the internet for you.
1: No. In this one, what we get is we get, what's that man holding in his hand, blah, 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 through Jimmy Page, concert, uh, concert. (laughs) Concert. (laughs) chorus. Yeah. And then we get to... um, in my green metal suit, I'm preparing to metal shoot suit. up the city, 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 ah. and ah. also
0: preparing to shoot up the city. That like that links to the missing verse that you don't have, where he talks about scoring an ounce. I know shoot up is like kind of not really the same as it? it depends what it's an ounce of, I guess. Yeah. And the ring at the end of my nose makes me look rather pretty. <laughs> I can't do it. It's, it's so just... embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, oh dear. So yeah. Uh, I mean. They're not the worst bit of this for me. I don't think they're as bad as, apart from that bit. The rest of it has a smoke on the water feel to it. Being at a show, writing about it, but the green metal man I don't know what that's all about. I don't know. Yeah.
1: It's just glam nonsense. I've
0: given it 65 for lyrics, which is 62 overall, which puts it, now let's do, I won't do a drum roll, 104th in the chart. Do
1: you know what? You might be right. I might be missing a verse off my lyrics on here, so you might be going, going right. Yeah. Why does my head not reference the line? Lights go down the back in town. Okay, behind the statue, out of oh, I don't know. Anyway, well, I, I was gonna say because my lyrics... it's entirely ha- possible, Gary, that um, it must I've be also because messed my, up my notes. My <laughs> lyrics have <laughs> you just
0: something like this song gives you a mental block. Doesn't I know. Try
1: to avoid it. It must be. Have we been li- talking about it for so long now?
0: Yeah, my lyrics have the intro from Venus Mars. It wouldn't have that on if it was.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've got like a missing verse here. Yeah. I may so have just, it does, it does I may It does get have hit.
0: drugs as well and something to do with whites of eyes and preparing to shoot up. So this stuff Don't get drugs, kids. <laughs> no, don't get All drugs grown-ups. for kids, especially. Yeah. Okay, so, right. So by the way, the 104th is in between Getting Closer and Hey Baby. So that's where it's got to. That's the realm it's in. So we do the next one. So
1: that's that's me. okay. I didn't realise we got to the final score. Yes. Oh priming. yeah, we didn't, yeah.
0: We've done 65 for lyrics, which is 62 overall, which is 104th in the chart. I said all Righto. that. But you were distracted, wondering why the. I was
1: a... frustrated with myself missing a, a verse out. <laughs> this is the bane so. of your entire
0: big sort of career, this one song, isn't it?
1: I know. Let's let's move let's on. Let's move
0: on and just get it. Draw a line under it. But not mm-hmm. that kind of line, kids. Right. So no. next Magneto and Titanium Man. I was talking last night. Magneto and Titanium Man. We were talking about you, babe. They said you was involved in a robbery that was due to happen at a quarter to three in the main street.
1: I didn't believe Magneto and Titanium Man, Paul. Just I'm kind of t- Flesh and Titanium Man, because ah. I've got a hip replacement, you see. Okay. Um, so I that's what I am. So, uh, yeah, it could be about me if, if Flesh was Magneto's. Although,
0: yeah. I mean, at least we're getting away from the sci-fi theme, Paul.
1: Uh, yeah, we're getting away from the sci-fi theme by going to some sci-fi comic book characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is right. This this is a bit bizarre i think it's bizarre now looking at this song given the overwhelmingness of the amount of like comic book stuff there is in popular culture now yeah you know well beyond the printed page it's like there's all sorts there's also magneto is probably better known now than he ever was yeah as a character from the x-men movies mm. um let alone the sort you know the general sort of feel of all of the Marvel stuff being around. yeah. But this is, facts and figures wise, the flip side of the song we just talked about. Obviously didn't chart. This is recorded in January in in 75 New Orleans, overdubbed in February. Paul, Linda, Denny, Jimmy and Joe. And it is a sort of three and a bit minute song (laughs) based on some characters from comics that McCartney was reading. So, yeah. And it also but, has a
0: tiny little bit of embarrassing speaky words in it.
1: Yeah, it is a weird one, this, because if nowadays you asked someone, said someone to someone, write a song about the character Magneto yeah. carrying out some sort of crime and you also need to feature Titanium Man and the Crimson Dynamo, you wouldn't go... <laughs> Yeah, would you? You know, that,
0: would, at all. I can't imagine why you would have done that then either. No. Not, no. Okay, what's that?
1: Mm, bow, mm, bow.
0: <laughs> it's a bad, what is it's, it? It's this weird what way is of,
1: well, it's this weird way McCartney's got of, he's taken these huge larger than life characters from the pages of a comic book and then made them sort of into that McCartney world the same world that Eleanor Rigby's in, almost. Like, it's, you know, I they've done a crime, think... but it's down a high street somewhere, rather than being, like, you know, buildings blowing up type stuff.
0: <laughs> this is the kind it's... of song that goes around in people's heads who are, who are insane. <laughs> <laughs> or the kind of one that turns you insane. It's It's got a magic roundabout feel to it, hasn't it? In that kind of, like, yeah. you could hit...
1: I thought it'd be funny. I was watching one of those interviews with paul mccartney like i think it was the lauren laverne one for the one show she sat down opposite him talking about this new book <laughs> i feel like, stuff. like i know where you're and going if she if well if she'd have sat down and if the first question she'd have asked was do you know what i've had in my head all day paul and he'd have gone no what's that magneto and titanium man <laughs> and what but, would his face but, do then <laughs> you know oh i yeah it'd either be the happiest man on the planet or Completely, like, just like, what? I don't understand
0: how all the things you forgot to tell us existed. The last two we have to mop up are just this weird, Slightly bonkers, bonkers single yeah. that didn't do anything in the UK because probably no one had any idea what they were meant to do with it. Do I listen to this? They would have said. Do I clean with this song? <laughs> do What do I do with this? It's um, It's strange, isn't it? I mean, based on the title alone, I was... Sci-fi hopeful, and um, and as the syncopated synth base comes in, I'm thinking, "Oh, there's some synth as well." But I think, no, that's this is this is bottle-based hyper umpar synth. I mean, this is (laughs) this is this is this is something that's never existed before or since. I don't think. think Yeah,
1: it is. It's got some.
0: (sighs) I don't know. It it settles down into something more conventional. Eventually, it goes between the kind of mad syncopated annoyingness into an occasional. Winding bit with lots of strange little backing vocals and some strange lead vocals. It sounds I quite like his kind of weird kind of um, scatting that he does. He does, he kind of yeah. does a bit that is like a big lad leady do bit or something. It's a confusing kind of complex piece that doesn't need to be because it's too weird to make sense. It yeah. has some kind of bits for like something that kind of resembles a chorus where it kind of goes through three kind of normal chords like a D A E kind of pattern but not enough to have a chorus that you can grab onto. I don't know if I like it or not. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? I'm glad to have heard it because it's, it's you know, like people are glad to have encountered things for the first time. <laughs> like,
1: I just Paul, like, I, what, yeah. I, what I like about it is that it tells us that McCartney reads comics and he read yeah. the Marvel comics and that's why he wrote this. Uh, you know, this... <laughs> but
0: that's what, but that, like you say. You think, like in your head, reading comics, like because, of, because of, maybe because of the modern Be a day, a lot more dramatic. Yeah, yeah the you're thinking like theater the,
1: of the mind thing.
0: Like when the cartoons started to come out and things, their theme tunes weren't, but but, but, but they were still like, you know, they had kind of
1: gravitas and things to them. They didn't, yeah, they, they weren't weird. So Magneto as a character had been around since 1963. So essentially. When Mac- McCartney's life on the road with the Beatles starts happening in earnest, he's he can pick up the first X Men comic, yeah, that comes out, and we see Magneto. So you know, yeah. uh, you also have Crimson Dynamo, who's one of these Russian baddies. Yeah, he wasn't. Um, it, it, was he's he been in Iron in... Man. Iron Man Two. He was featured as. Was he like a, v- a version of him's in Iron Man Two? Iron Man Two. Yeah. So Mickey Rourke in Iron Man Two. Was oh, he is the Crimson Dynamo? Crimson Dynamo, essentially. Oh, uh, okay. Um, it's all these characters who, who get special armour to fight Iron Man. Right. So this is all early 60s stuff, so it's, you know, uh, us, as in the West, against the Russians. Yeah. You know, God, imagine that happening. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Titanium Man is a very similar concept again, who's another uh, okay. uh, Russian, Russian character. But yeah, it's this huge global, you know, Russia versus the the liberated West. Mm. And then...
0: So anyway, I'm, I don't know if I like it. Bonkers, but not necessarily good, but I'm not just sure. So I'm going to give it 67 for music. Yeah. When it comes to production, I don't know what you compare it to, to say, is this the right sound? <laughs> you have this low <laughs> organ, which I think is doing the syncopated pattern, isn't it? And then a higher one above it too, and a bass bouncing off it. So we have a kind of low soupy bounce. I kind of like it. Soupy bounce. And we have the the usual wings close harmonies and the the very complex little kind of backing bits that come up in and out and things. Hmm. We have some strange percussion hits, like a big bass drum. Oh,
1: yeah. I've written, I like the weird percussive lump sounds. Yeah. I couldn't think of a word to describe
0: them. It gives it a mechanical edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um And that's to say, do you know what I mean about the bit where he, he kind of does it like it sounds... He does do a bit of kind of freestyle-y, vocal thing, But it makes it sound yeah. almost like it's reversed. Do but I think it's do just do do do. what he's singing. And it's the way that he yeah. comes out of a sentence as if he's about to say words, but they just stop being words. So you're like, oh, weird. That bloke, that bloke, that bloke, Paul. that, all that bloke. <laughs> I, I was going to say that blend vocal when it came out as that bloke. Ah. They They blend... With the vocal effects, that kind of weird thing he does to make it feel strange, I I just don't know why he left this to the, to the end to to confuse me. So I am um, seventy three for production. I've given it. Okay, let's look at the lyrics then. So as you say, he's been reading Marvel comics. We 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 think.
1: Yeah, well that's what he says, and you know he he like. You know, the Marvel writer Jack Kirby was invited to the Wings so tour therefore, show. Got, you know, the, you know, Stanley yeah. thought this was a great song.
0: So therefore, they should. This should make lots of kind of conventional, linear, Marvelly type of sense, shouldn't it? Oh no, yeah. hang on, it's as mad as a cat in a yogurt. It's just, it's just <laughs> not. Doesn't make any sense either. So no, let's, it's ima- not very, let's imagine. I mean, there's the no MC- drama, is there? <laughs> let's imagine the MCU film here, where
1: <laughs> I'd uh, love it. I don't it'd still be better, and it still be better than Eternals.
0: Yes, it would be. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have any comic book knowledge beyond the film, so a quick Google confirms for me that this was MCU as we've talked about. But for yeah. some reason here, they're telling tales about McCartney's lover being involved in a bank robbery, and when he doesn't believe them, they go, "Come on, we'll show you." They kind of so it is. They kind of say, "Your lover's robbing a bank." He goes, "No, she's not." Go, come on, we'll show you. And then he he goes and sees her doing it. But then he goes, ah, no, but it doesn't matter because they're mad anyway. They're liars, aren't they?
1: What? It doesn't... I don't, I don't know what happens. You're due to be involved with a robbery that happens at a very specific time. But then for some point, they're hanging out in a library.
0: Yeah. Um, and he says, I was talking last night, Magneto and Titanium Man. We were talking about you, babe. So he's on about his lover or partner they said you were involved in a robbery that was due to happen at quarter to three in the main street. I didn't believe them, Magneto, Magneto and Titanium Man. But when the Crimson Dynamo assured me, it, then I knew, you were involved in a robbery that was due to happen at a quarter to three in the main street. So we went out. You always out.
1: trust the Crimson Dynamo, yes. always. So we went
0: know. out, Magneto and Titanium Man and the Crimson Dynamo and came along for the ride with us. We went to, to town with the library <laughs> and we swung, <laughs> off, we swung all over that long tall bank in the main street. And there she were. And to my despair, she's a five-star criminal breaking the code. So they were right all along. They came to say, look, Paul McCartney, you are I, I presume at the time Linda is robbing a bank. and I, <laughs> I know we're baddies from Marvel Comics, but can you come with us and we'll confirm it to you? He went and he saw it, and then he thought, and Magneto said, now's the time to gather our forces and run. I'm not entirely sure oh, why no. they needed to run. And then it occurred to me, you couldn't be bad because Magneta was mad, Titanium too, and the Crimson Dynamo just couldn't cut it no more. You were the law,
1: so they. Which makes it sound like she suddenly turned into Judge Dread at the end. Yeah, several years before Judge Dread exists. So, so at the end, they. I hang on. I'm tired. It's just Gary. If you try and analyze this any further, we're never going to get any further it, in this episode. Sorry. What?
0: I mean, I think he was smoking something and reading something or reading, smoking what he was reading at this point, I think.
1: Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, That's I'd, what happens if you smoke uh, X-Men comics.
0: Yeah. So I don't know if... I, I don't know. It, it's interesting, <laughs> but I can't say it's good. So I've given it 50 for lyrics, which gives it 70 overall, which makes it 81st in the charts, which puts right. it between... Do you want to guess at what two songs it comes between? No, oh, I haven't got a clue, They're Gary. both McCartney songs. Well, right. It puts it between Letting Go... And wonderful Christmas time,
1: right? <laughs> well, that's just, uh, how strange! But isn't
0: that funny though? I mean, I didn't realize isn't it? that. Isn't that funny, isn't that funny though? Because I didn't realize till I did it that it was right next to wonderful Christmas time, which also has an extremely strange synth part in it. It does. So that must be my my benchmark for things. So that is that. That's, that's it. We're done. done. We're finished. Series three. Bye. <laughs> that's the end. <laughs> Now, we've got a little bit more content for you, otherwise it'd be a short episode, although those took longer to talk about than I expected. Do you want to tell us what, Paul, what else did we kind of half miss, but we're not going to score because they're not quite right?
1: Well, it's because they're not official releases. We know that McCartney loves to do pseudonymous stuff. He does it with the Beatles, Sgt. Peppers, and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. They like Yellow Submarine because it sort of distances them from the responsibility yeah. of being out there. It's, you know, that sort of stuff. And there's a a few occasions in the seventies that McCartney does stuff, and the first one we're going to talk about is not Paul McCartney it's not wings, it's a single by the country Hams Yes, and what is it called, Paul walking in the park with Eloise. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, tell us a bit about this, then, Paul. We'll have a little chat about it.
1: Yeah, we've we've got it's it, facts and figures wise. Mm-hmm. This comes out on the eighteenth of October, nineteen seventy four. The flip side is a song called "Bridge on the River Sweet." Doesn't chart. Yeah, um, it's recorded in Nashville, which I think is a bit strange given the type of content it is. Uh, so sixteenth of July, nineteen seventy four. Produced by Paul McCartney. Songwriter slash composer credit is James McCartney. Mm. As is? in James McCartney Sr. Yeah. As in his dad. Yeah. Now, plenty of folks will probably know about this that Jim Mack's jazz band was a thing. So Jim McCartney was a musician as a as a as a young lad and for quite a while. Not a trained band. He didn't go off to a conservatoire or anything like that. He was just sort of. He kind of jumped on the ragtime and dance band craze of the 1920s, uh, essentially. Right. So, so he starts these, this band going under a load of different names in 1919. He's only a 17-year-old at the time. Hmm. Uh, and I presume that they played stock arrangements of popular songs. You'd buy the sheet music or whatever. Uh, and, or you'd listen to a record and work it up with whoever you could get. Mm-hmm. So he has a couple of family members in there and all that sorts of stuff. And, yeah, he does this stuff. Apparently, I think, changing the name of the band quite often because otherwise they wouldn't get booked again right. if they thought it was the same group. Okay. So, goodness knows. But apparently he'd written a song that he used to call Eloise and he'd pick it out on the piano at parties and things like that and at home. Mm-hmm. This stuck in Paul's mind. And at some point in the 70s, he's like, well, I'll give me dad the uh, the the credit for this. So... One of the people who plays on this is Chet Atkins, fantastic guitar player. Mm. And he basically did the same thing for his dad with an old tune. I said, well, I gave him the publishing. So take it Paul McCartney's dad was still alive? He was still alive at this point, okay? So, yeah, so this is October 1974 that this is released. His dad was not well by this point. He died in March 1976. Okay. Uh, and a, one of the weird things about this is that they're in Nashville recording it, and Paul's like, well, I want to do this, or so I need to get my dad to tell me the tune again. Right. So rings him up without thinking about the time difference. <laughs> he has to get, his dad's dragged out of bed. His dad is, you know, very badly arthritic, I think, at the mm. time, and also, you know, not well, and has him sat at the piano at whatever time in the morning, picking out, eloise so it could Mm. be noted down at the other end in nashville (laughs) and then arranged by tony dorsey who did the horn arrangement
0: but at least he got all those lovely royalties from the thing that didn't chart
1: yeah Mm. and yeah it's it's a weird one because of course it comes out pseudonymously it's i presume i'm using that word right yeah um so no one knows he never admits it at the time and so no one knows it's my So yeah, that
0: doesn't help, does it? And you no. sometimes people do that, don't they, who are big and famous. They go, I'm going to release something not in my name to prove that I am good at it without just my my name being the thing. And then they do it and then they're like, Oops, I'll just leak that it was me. JK Rowling did that with their detective books. But um <laughs> but yeah, um it's but I mean, yeah, it must have been tempting for him to go, Right, look, it's me, buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I guess it doesn't matter to him, so
1: yeah, but anyway, what it is, is it's, it's a very 1920s sounding piece of music. Yeah. And it's a very nice tune. Uh, my only f- sort of bafflement is it that it's recorded in Nashville, whereas I think if it had been, if it had been recorded in a British studio, yeah. it might have sounded more authentic. Not that that's necessarily what he was going for, but hmm. there's something about the, the recording of the trumpets on this okay. that makes them sound like synthesizer trumpets. And they're not synthesizer trumpets, they're actual trumpets. But those first few bars, it's like they sound like synths. Why are they it's Get it in Abbey Road, come on. Mm. That's my problem with it. But otherwise I really like yeah. it because McCartney loves this sort of stuff. I like these sort of nineteen twenties dance band things. It's beautifully arranged by Tony yeah. Dorsey doing the horns. Guitar by Chet Atkins is amazing. Piano by Floyd Kramer is amazing. Yeah. It's 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 a lovely piece of music.
0: Yeah, I, I like it too. like jazzy guitar parts, shuffling beats. Quite a pleasant little listen. Better than the last two songs we just did. Um, (laughs) The solos pass between the instruments, as you'd expect in instrumentals. The piano takes over from the guitar before heading to the brass. The bass is perfect. Macca, kind of moving fifths type of thing. It makes a lot of sense if this is what his dad was writing why he leaned towards this upbeat and toe-tapping style in some of his own compositions. It's in line with some things he's done that we know of, don't we? You know, well, think in this pine. past
1: series we did You Gave Me The Answer. Yeah, You Gave Me The
0: Answer. It sounds quite Which is right.
1: very much in this style and also has that sort of half-time drum pattern that yeah. he has uses in this again.
0: It's a nice little right. treat recorded well too. I like it. Did you mention that it was the country hams? Did you say? Yeah, the country hams. The country hams.
1: I like The country like hams.
0: It and then we have is it the b side to this to the same single yeah then? so the
1: b side of this is bridge on the river suite which is um recorded in abbey road in september of 1972 and then overdubbed in other studios over 73 and 74 Um, known for a while i think as mood music which is appropriate given its yeah. style and it's poor so this is probably more of wings but it's no one's entirely sure from the various books i checked at checked through but again it's got this this um, brass arrangement over the top of what is otherwise quite a sort of groovy yeah laid back Ambient, sort of moody kind of jam yeah jam thing um so apparently there was a guitar line in the original version on tape and Tony Dorsey builds this trumpet and sax and trombone part on top of it. Right. And I really like it. Yeah. Because so it's funny we talked about Zoo Gang. Gang. Which is an ITC serial and you know he did he does that music for it. Yeah. But actually this sounds like the music this could have been for a, a another adventure serial. Yeah, this, this easily, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's re- it's really groovy. It's 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 amazing.
0: It's definitely got a sleuth feel to it. It isn't it's jazzy but not but it's a different type of jazz. It's that smooth, atmospheric. Oh like ambient jazz, I guess. Some kind yeah. of it's, it's I, it's, I don't know. it
1: sounds more like um library music and i mean yeah. that in the best way in the sense of like those cool records from the 70s where like studio and house bands would go off and just do loads and loads of recordings of mood music Yeah, they find a feel yeah and, and they do it and then that would be stuff you could buy for yeah for your programs and things like that and this has got that feel in both production and sound uh musical sound you as could... well and i i, I like
0: yeah. that yeah so um the brass definitely stamps the signature on it, along with the kind of reverb echo guitar ringing out over and into the suspenseful chords. It's a lazy 4-4, isn't it? Yeah. With with feel. It's nice. I like it. It reminds me of Pink Floyd, actually, which is fine by me, because I like them. The guitar yeah. player isn't at that level. I can imagine Gilmore all over this. He could do this for 20 minutes, and you probably wouldn't notice. It'd probably be one half of an album. Um so the guitar part playing on this, which is is all right, is in like it it, does, it's, it just jams really. Some of the brass gets a little bit sharp and loud in places, production wise, when they're going to, doing their big accentuating stabs. But it, yeah, it has a feel of a piece that you could actually listen to for twenty minutes, but it's only three, which which is fine. Um, yeah, because it just creates a little mood, and it's an interesting single and B-side. That I think the country hams was worth a nice little listen to, Paul. And I yeah. give it a thumbs up and no scores because we're not scoring. We are not no. scoring, OK?
1: So, what else do we have, Paul? We've some more. Some more pseudonyms, or another pseudonym, rather. And that is the pseudonym of Susie and the Red Stripes, which is essentially Wings, but under the leadership of Linda McCartney. And the first song With we have is... Seaside Woman. Oh,
0: Papa gets fish from bottom of- Okay, Seaside Woman, what can you tell us about this?
1: This is an interesting song, uh, even before we actually get to the content of the song itself. It's partly written in response to the criticisms of Linda when Paul starts adding her name to the songwriting credits because that's part of the problems with the royalties, the ATV are p- paying, blah, 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 mm. blah. Because they basically say, well, she's not a songwriter. Mm. You're just doing that to try and get more royalties or to mess up the royalty system or whatever. And and so one of the ways they're sort of determined to try and beat this is to say, well, Linda's written a song and this is what it is. Yeah, It's Seaside Woman, which she does write, you know. And so they demo a, a version of this, which apparently goes into evidence as part of their case against ATV, settling out the publishing problems. But I think it's quite a nice little thing. I mean, there's I have problems sort of now looking back at the lyrics... And perspective of white woman talks about Yeah. Yeah. Caribbean. Because life. it's
0: it isn't just in the style of, it's it's not just in the musical style of, it's mm. in the lyrical style of, which means like you say, you are then commenting yeah, on a life that's not yours and on a culture that's not yeah. yours. So that it does have a slight smack of appropriation about it now.
1: Yeah. But facts and figures-wise, it um, it was recorded in Olympic Sound Studios in March of 1972. But it doesn't come out in the UK until, I think, August of 1979. And it gets reissued a couple of different times. There's like a 12-inch reissue in 1980. And then there's a version, a remix version released in 1986, which actually charts. Mm. None of the others do. Okay. And like, there's a version that comes out with a nice sort of saucy postcard pack or something like that. Mm. As well, so and the name Susie and the Red Stripes is because Red Stripes is Jamaican beer, yeah, that they liked, mm. um, which I presume was more exotic in 1972 or whenever it, in the 70s than it is now, where it's sort of the ubiquitous yeah, oh yeah. Red Stripe, you yeah. know, yeah, type it? thing. Yeah. But yeah, well, I mean,
0: obviously it's done in the Jamaican kind of reggae feel, isn't it? Yeah, um, which the, the McCartneys love, especially yeah. Linda. You know, this it's is not this an, is not a unusual. it's not a
1: pastiche.
0: And they it's, were in Jamaica, weren't they? I think. When they were they'd sp-
1: certainly spent plenty of time there. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, it's got a lot of work by the instrumentation to lift it along a bit. The melody's is very simple and straightforward, but it works nicely with the chords. We've talked about the slightly bit of kind of problematic. There's a bit of problematic Jamaican accent in it as well that Paul does at one point, isn't it? Yeah, there?
1: but that's a thing that's all over popular music in the 70s yeah. is like people doing their reggae voice and it's like oh don't do that please Um, don't do that
0: but yeah it's like i said it sounds like we talked about it it sounds a bit more like it's trying to pass itself off off as a modernized version of perhaps a traditional jacobin's jamaican song rather than being inspired by one so it makes you you know it's like yeah, but it's okay i'm not bowled over by it to be honest I, i wouldn't as a single be that bothered or interested in it but it you know is what... i think
1: it's it, oh, yeah. i think it's charming and i think the thing that lets it down actually is paul doing the stupid noises in the background it's like it's linda's song just shut up and do your harmony bits yeah because again he does that i don't want to walk i don't want to talk i just want to be with you which i'm not doing in the accent which is like oh don't do that yeah Ooh.
0: never mind so we also have b-side to side.
1: yes indeed, which is the B-side to Seaside Woman
0: more than an A-side less than the Seaside I live
1: And this is recorded in in 1977, February 1977. When this is a Paul written song, yeah, based on a, a Linda idea, I think. Uh, and it is just Paul and Linda for this one, so it's Paul on on backing vocals, bass, piano, guitar, moog, mellotron, banjo, drums, and uh, Linda doing the vocals. And it's very sort of sing songy. This one, I think, it's very sort of like the chords are quite simple but appealing. And I really like the way this builds up in a, quite a weird sort of. It's strangely modern sounding to me. Hmm. It sounds like it could have been made out of samples of other things. If you see what I mean. Particularly yeah. towards the end.
0: Um, Yeah, it's got layers. Yeah. <laughs> it's in there, I guess. It's, I mean, it's a bit shorter, isn't it? And we've moved away from the Jamaican and more kind of rock and roll children's song-ish a bit boppy and fun i guess doom, 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 it's only got doom, a few chords doom, in doom, there doom, doom, doom,
1: doom, 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 that sort of thing
0: it does sound a bit like first time like someone who's not written that many songs writing a song at this point and then but but who is also in the fortunate position of having studios and people who can then go we're just going to make it work we're going to make we're going to do stuff to it to make it because if you strip it down to its essentials it's da, 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 da. That's it. Over like three chords, isn't it? That's it. But they've they've gone. Let's just throw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah. And then it will be something. And that's right. You can do that. You can do that to anything. You can hit a note for three notes for three minutes and just keep on layering other things. And when you've got the disposal of a studio and one of the best songwriters ever existed to work with you or to arrange it, it's going to sound okay, isn't it?
1: It's weird how it starts with that sort of weird, like, uh passive sort of still came for a weekend, Yeah. ended in a hate joke. I like that is, bit. That's quite creepy.
0: That, that gave me a... A that fright. G- gave me a fright. <laughs> no, that gave me some hope that this was going to be a, kind of an interesting direction, you know, a bit more... um a bit more yoko maybe in the bit more like strange expressive kind of weird take on things but it, it settles into the kind of strange thing that it is. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's kind of fun. I think it's fun. It's a bit of a grower, I think, B side to C side. I can see kids dancing to it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Kids gotta dance to something. Maybe take the hate joke bit out, whatever that means. Um, yeah yeah. interesting interesting single not one i think i'd get off the shelf that much but interesting to have heard it mm-hmm. we don't just have paul mccartney playing around with pseudonyms do we
1: no indeed we have someone who's used a couple of very well-known pseudonyms and on this occasion we have the arrival of the elastic oz band mm. and what are they doing paul well, Gary, this is John and Yoko and friends. One of those friends is a chap called Bill Elliott, and we'll mention more in a second, doing a record to raise money to support the legal costs for the obscenity trial about Oz Magazine, which was a very big, sort of high-profile obscenity trial. Yeah. And, well, facts and figures. Let's see how useful this single would have been in raising money for for the Oz publishers. It's released yeah. on the 16th of July, 1971. You've got God Savers on the A side. More of that in a second. But we're going to be talking mainly about Do the Oz, the B side. Out on Apple. It's recorded at Ascot Sound, which is John's studio in Tittenhurst. Written by John Yoko, and it doesn't chart. So always
0: a good money spinner, something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm basically, gonna do, I'm going to do you uh, a, a fundraising single. I'm going to change the name on it. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. And probably the money you'd have spent doing it would have probably just been more useful to just write a cheque. Yeah, I suspect. Mm. Uh, But yeah, so there's two sides to this. There's Do The Oz, which is Elastic Oz Band, which has got John on lead vocals, which is why that's our main featured one. But the A side is a thing called God Save Us, which is Bill Elliott and the Elastic Oz Band. Right. And Bill Elliott was a singer from up north who was discovered by Mal Evans and sort of brought them down. And yeah sort of brought him down and, and they get him in to sing the lead vocal on the a side mm. which is called god Save Us, which is very simple sort of song very basic production for a basic song mal gets a production credit oh. so this is the the a sides produced by john and Yoko mal Evans and phil Spector, which is quite a lineup mm. and um it's yeah it's got some really nice sort of saxes on it and stuff like that but it's It's not not much of anything, really. It's not like a fist in the air anthem, stuff like that. No, it's just do the odds we're
0: talking about. Do the odds.
1: Well, this is God save us, but we'll go on to do the odds. I mean, this is so that's the A side, and so Bill Elliott's voice, which is a fine voice in other in other scenarios, doesn't really cut it on this A side. Yeah. So the B side is more interesting, I think, because it's John on. Lead vocals with Yoko vocalizing on it as well. Yeah, and um, but again, it's just it's 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 not much of anything. It's quite what you, I'd call swampy sounding. Yeah, um, sort of smokestack lightning vibe, or it reminds me of a Zapper or a Mothers of Invention tune, and I can't remember what it is. Hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's a sort of like oh, I've invented a fake. Sort of dance move called do the Oz. Yeah, it's a bit do this hokikoki,
0: isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) put the left leg in. Put the Uh, the hokikoki existed at this point. Is that a very old song, or was that?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very old.
0: So he would have. He he was. He's consciously. Yeah, yeah. Doing apparently
1: he was like he was like rolling around on the floor going we'll call it do the Oz with it's a dance like this like oh Yoko going no that's not working. (laughs) Uh, but basically, (laughs) sorry, just more background. Yeah. Um, it's a benefit for Oz magazine. So Oz was an underground magazine that began in Australia, then it comes over to the UK in the Mm mid-60s. And they sort of kept getting in trouble because they were very underground and they were covering a lot of topics, talk about drugs, talk about homosexuality, all that sort of stuff. But they were sort of getting accused of being a bit out of touch by like the late 60s, early Hmm. 70s. And what they do is the editors invite a bunch of school kids to edit what becomes issue 28. Right. And basically uh, lands them in court on obscenity charges because of its, its disgusting content. Right. Um, so I'm not going to go any further into that. There's lots and lots of stuff online about it, but it's a very significant trial to do with obscenity and, and okay. what you can and can't say in print. And um, so you have Richard Neville, Jim Anderson and Felix Dennis in um, in the dock um, getting jailed for obscenity purposes. So... Okay. That's why they needed funds and lots and lots of high-profile people from the arts sort of stepped up and said, "You you can't do this, and we'll we'll do marches and we'll do, yeah, you know, campaigns and we'll do fundraising singles." And this is John's contribution
0: and for what it was worth. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing I've got really, I mean, I found different versions. I found a three-minute version, but there was also a six-minute take three or something.
1: Yeah, it has been cleaned up and re released on on various John bits and bobs. So, you know, there is like an ultimate mix version of this now. It's not been left to language. So, the ultimate mix,
0: the three minute version of it, cuts out all the put your left leg in type of stuff and then just goes into the do the Oz jam. Just starts there and ends there. But then, if you listen to the longer version, that's got the kind of more of the kind of shake it all about type of bits in it. Because, other than that, it's a riff based jam again, isn't it? Yeah. There's, there's one big riff, and they do it for until the end.
1: Yeah, you've got John on guitar and vocals, Klaus on bass, Nicky Hopkins on piano, then sax, a tenor sax of Barry Sax, Dave Coxell on drums. Uh, no, that can't be right. Something's missing from my... Do you know what, Gary? I'm, and I do apologise to all the listeners. I'm sure that this has reverted to an old version of my notes because there's all weird gaps in it that I definitely filled in. Because I was about to say that Jim Keltner was on vocals, which obviously he wasn't. Mm. Um, Jim Keltner on drums and Yoko doing her vocalisations as well. And Billy, Bill Elliott involved in the, I think, the backing vocals here. Mm. So, it's, yeah,
0: it's a big old jam, isn't it? And, um, yeah. and you know, it, it would have made a good hidden track at the end of an album that fades in and out a bit. That's what you want something like this for, don't you? It's a B-side slash hidden track level type of fun in and out. I imagine it was fun to play. But as we've talked about with some other B-sides they've done, which are just jams... It doesn't really make for, like, um, captivating listening for the whole six minutes if you've got that version. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. (laughs) That's all I've got to say (laughs) about it. It's an interesting thing to hear, but it's not like he's used the art of the pseudonym to go, let's do something different. He's just decided to pseudonise it, and it probably would have been better not to if he wanted to make money on it. Um, Because pseudonymise um, because um, yeah it, because on its own it's not strong enough
1: no but, it's not um, a money spinner whatever way you slice it
0: yeah I kind of thought God Save Us is it God Save Us or God Save Oz God Save Us God Save Us the A it side it was going
1: to be God Save o- Oz but it was changed uh, to God Save Us I heard him doing
0: an, an acoustic version of it when I was first looking for it and that was quite This is John Lennon singing it hmm. Um, I think it had the beginnings of a song that you could imagine becoming a fully blown Lennon song if he'd have um, kind of taken it for his own reasons and put it on an album. But then the final version's a bit brass heavy, and I think the, the if you if you find the acoustic demo, it's got a bit more promise than the end result. I think. Mm. But yeah, okay, another thing to have listened to an interesting, slightly failed attempt at a, at a, at a different name and. Um, thing but not really a different style just more of a kind of a B-side-y feel yeah so we have one last thing and we're back with Mr. McCartney
1: but who is he calling himself this time? Well this time we are dealing with the single by Percy Thrills Thrillington that is Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey on one side and Eat at Home on the other <laughs>
0: so uncle albert admiral holsey to start with that is that the a side that's the a side and it is pretty much what you would expect but not quite
1: yeah so people will know now the thrillington album i'm sure as being a in uh, an instrumental version of the album ram Hmm. Because for some reason, while he was making Ram in, like, the early 70s, he decided to also get a version of it made, instrumentally, which he didn't release for years. Okay,
0: I didn't know which, this side of it. So he, he made the entire album instrumentally, did he?
1: Yeah, so he gets he, Richard Hewson in to do an arrangement of the entire album. Hmm. And Richard Hewson was the guy who did the um, arrangements for, like, I Me Mine and Long and Winding Road. So. Okay. You know, McCartney didn't bear too much of a grudge over his actual arranging skills, yeah. despite the problems with Long and Winding Road. But he does an amazing job, and he gets loads of really, really good session players in. And Thrillington, as an album, is is fab. I really, really like it, because hmm. um, I think Ram is a brilliant album. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but he it, it records Thrillington, the whole album, over three days in Abbey Road in June 1971. But this single doesn't come out till the twenty second of April, nineteen seventy seven, and at no point does he say that Percy Thrills thrillington is in fact Paul McCartney. Mm.
0: So, except that it's an album full of his music, so he's yeah, but he's, he doesn't
1: play on it, right? At all. It's all.
0: But unlike something where you yeah. go, this is a pseudonym and it's something new. There's an immediate link back to him, whether it was him or not. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he he denies involvement, does he? he kind of yeah.
1: Well? So for instance, like from Billboard magazine, November the sixth, nineteen seventy one. There's a little paragraph here saying Paul's determination to go it alone is further strengthened by the news of his signing Irish band leader Percy Thrillington. Right. It is a strange first edition to McCartney Productions Limited, but an entirely logical one. Thrillington is to make an instrumental version of the Ram album, a confirmation of McCartney's belief in his own music, and that's not been presented with the tongue in cheek. That is their reportage of the situation you know it's um okay it's All insane right. but yeah just to give you a bit of background so the sort of people playing on this are people like herbie flowers doing the bass uh clem Catini, Dougie right on drums vic flick on guitar steve gray on piano roger cullen on organ jim lawless on percussion the dolch match dolmetsch consort on recorders Mm-hmm. recorders used very nice yeah. and it also features things like the Mike Sams singers and the Swingle singers um, I don't think on these ones not these two songs but other places on the album and then you have woodwind and brass section and strings and what annoys me is that nobody knows who these people are okay. so the famous sort of rock style instruments people yeah. know who those players are they're jazz players they've been on records with their names on them yeah. but the violinists the the cellists the, the brass players, the you know, the woodwind players, we perhaps know a couple of names from people who've said, oh, yes, I played on that. But we don't know lots of them. And it, I find that very sad, really, because my friend uh, Lucy, married to my friend uh, Rob, her dad was a guy called Don Blakeson, who was a trumpet player for most of his life, played in all sorts of bands, so particularly through the 70s. He used to have story after story about the people he'd played for and the sessions he'd been on. And I didn't get to spend much time with him, you know, Mm. uh, while he was alive. He's sadly been dead for a few years now. Um, But if you ever met him, you'd go, we used to call him the Anak (laughs) Don because he could just tell you anything. And it's wonderful. But we think that Don Blakeson was one of the trumpet players on Trillington, but we can't confirm it because he kept records of his entire session work during the seventies, but the diaries for nineteen seventy one are missing apparently, oh. which is quite sad because you know it'd be lovely to know if he'd played on this this mm. session. Um, so that that would be great. But I, I, what I'm using that to illustrate is that those session players who do all that bit of the work anonymous all the time. Mm. It's a shame because they make this really jolly little record.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're a job of musicians aren't they? They're kind of busting and out again. Oh, totally. Yeah. More, yeah. Um. But it's it's great. I mean, so you're saying that the the traditional rock instruments like the electric bass that, and guitar and drums that are still on there. Yeah. Are being they're played all... by other session. Music. They're not just yeah. taken from. Because I wondered at one They've
1: point. They've not got the multi-tracks and no just stripped just it back or anything. It's
0: so the arrangement's exactly the same, isn't? isn't As in that, it it doesn't change the. Flow from verse to chorus to verse. It no, does. no. It so doesn't, I it thought, doesn't
1: edit I, or change anything. Yeah, I was like, have just they represents just it differently.
0: Being asked to kind of, you know, they've stripped everything else down and said just put yours over the top of it. But they've actually, he's actually got himself a little rhythm section and his band of players playing kind of, you know, acoustic instruments. Mm. And, mm. Okay, yeah, I, I yeah I like it. Um That I like the, the use of the harpsichord and the the, the recorders, yeah. um, and um, there's some great bass in there as well. Up on the top end in the places. Especially yeah. the outro. There's some really good bass on 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 this. Isn't oh
1: well it? I mean it's Herbie Flowers who's an yeah. astonishing bass player.
0: Um yeah, I I quite enjoyed it, but I really like the song itself anyway, so this takes that and just you know, it's it's always helpful if you already like the the song it's based on a lot. And this takes that completely and re- redoes it into a fun and cool bit of orchestration. Um that was it's worth doing. Bit of bit of fun. The the B side yeah. at home I'm not as Familiar with the song as much because, um, oh, I've heard it before. Um, yeah, but it's uh, is that the same kind of crack? Really? No,
1: they they've sort of made a decision to sort of do a semi reggae type yeah. thing with Eat at Home, and I think it works really well. I love the sort of parpy trumpets on that.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's got it's got some steel drums in, in there, I think. Yeah. And the bass is playing a very reggae line, kind of...
1: Bum, 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 bum.
0: The brass is bum, leading. Bum, bum, bum. There's a great wobbly yeah, synth. Is... I like the arpeggio on a wobbly synth that's going on in there. There's something going...
1: Mm.
0: Um, and we do have some voice in there, but only in some kind of mm. harmonies or something. Which I can't tell if it sounds almost sampled, but I don't know if it could be at this point. No, it wouldn't be. It would
1: have been yeah. one of these groups of...
0: Singers, yeah. So I like that too. I like that despite not really knowing the the the, the song it's based on very well. Okay. Because that's on Ram. I take it at home. Yeah, yeah. Which I've it's got, like but I've go only listened it. to it a couple of times. It's it's
1: listen to it more. It's brilliant.
0: Yeah, it's just time. It's more repetitive. I'm
1: pulling a face.
0: <laughs> Aren't we always pulling a face, though, Paul? Oh. <laughs> it's it's more repetitive and not as amazing as Uncle Albert, but it's pleasant and passes the ears. Okay. For a few minutes. So, again, a nice combo. The right, th-
1: can I give you loads of extra information about the, about Thrillington as Go a concept? Then. Because it wasn't revealed that Paul was Thrillington until, like, the late 80s when someone asked him it outright in an interview mm-hmm. and, he, and he finally said yes. Because this comes out on Regal Zonophone, which is a record label owned by EMI but was originally, I think, used to put out Salvation Army stuff mm. but ends up a bit as a place where weird things are, like... Like um, Frank Sidebottom's records end up on Regal's on a phone. Oh, right. (laughs) Bafflingly. But I've got loads of stuff about about Thrillington here because the way that they promoted it, Mm -hmm. such as they did, was through ads in the personal column of the Times. Right. And I've seen some of these reproduced in books, but I'm now going to, I'm about to try and tell you all of them. (laughs) Right. Okay. And there's quite a lot. But okay. I'm going to, they're always short, so I'm gonna be quick. So take it. This starts in February the twenty-third, nineteen seventy-seven, and in the Times or the Sunday Times runs through till as far as I can tell, not every week, but May nineteen seventy seven, with a couple of extra bits later as well. And it was clearly quite a feature in the times that people started noticing this. Like, who's Percy Thrillington? Okay. So I'll start at the beginning and I'll run through them. So essentially, they all start Percy Thrillington, but not necessarily. Um, but I, what I like to imagine is Macca sat in his office writing this and sending, saying to someone, can you get that put in the paper for us? Because right. it starts like this. Percy Thrillington wishes to announce that today he has given up smoking and craves support from all his friends. It continues. Percy Thrillington wishes to advise all concerned that he will be represented at the Christie sale of Chinese ceramics by Miss Penelope Telfer Smollett. Percy Thrillington regrets that he will be unable to join Lady Metroland's party at the ROH performance of The Taming of the Shrew. Nothing here suggesting what what Thrillington is. is. Uh, Percy Thrillington will be attending the Torquay Relaxation Centre for three days, as from Saturday, March 5th. Percy Thrillington is wasting away at the same relaxation centre and looks forward to a gargantuan feast with friends on his return home. Percy Thrillington regrets he will be unable to attend the Newbury Hunt this weekend due to prior commitments.
0: Is, Percy it, is gr- McCartney writing all these?
1: Presumably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Percy Thrillington has postponed all business engagements in order to spend time with a dear friend in Geneva. Percy Thrillington wishes to advise friends that he is feeling thoroughly invigorated by the crisp and brisk skiing conditions in Gustad. Miss Penelope Telfer Smollett wishes to state that Mr. Percy Thrillington is not amused by bogus advertisements quoting fictitious phone numbers and wishes to inform his dear friends that his telephone number has not changed and remains unlisted. So that one makes me think something's happened right? that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. And then in the same edition, you also have one that says, Eccentricity is not one of my stronger attributes, dear ladies, in Classified, but however, many thanks for your support, and to Mr. Stephen Claxon, my sincere thanks for preserving my much-valued privacy. Regards, Percy Thrillington. So I don't know what's gone on there, but it seems to suggest that the edifice almost crumbled at that point. Yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah. And it carries on. Oh, it carries on.
1: It carries on. Percy Thrillington is returning from Paris today with all haste to see his specialist in Harley Street to assess the damage incurred by the unfortunate incident in Gestad. Right. Then we have someone saying, Percy Thrillington, your picture is reserved for you at Yellow Plush Gallery, 22 Thackeray Street, W8. So I think, so I definitely won't be able to read all of these, but there are points (laughs) where I think people have cottoned on to something and have started putting in their own things with reference to percy Hmm. thrillington
0: i guess there's nothing stopping you if you pay no
1: if you pay in for like so there's one that says uh rodney fitzherbert de mornay would like to inform mr percy thrillington that news of his departure to yorkshire is of no interest to him whatsoever percy thrillington come home to ireland tom foolery and it's stuff like this yeah it's i don't think is part of the scheme because it then carries on with stuff about um Yellow Plush Gallery uh, despite creative demands he t- tends to lend his support to the Daffodil Ball go and see a performance by someone uh, Spring War and it carries on and it carries on mm. um, Percy Thrillington trusts that all his friends will not be offended by today's little japes to which he had no choice but to succumb on account of his liking for schoolboy pranks that one's in on April Fool's Day right there's a, there's a point where he announces that this week is health and happiness week and that they. <laughs> mm. um that bath bumping works wonders for slack posteriors. <laughs> mm. It's very strange, and it carries on. Then someone else, has, under the name Jock Groinweed, has put something in which I'd, I suspect has nothing to do with McCartney. And then we get to, I think, Times, uh, The Times on April the 18th, 1977, Percy Thrillington regrets that he's forced to postpone this evening's planned soiree, where his closest friends were to hear a preview of Thrillington, his first long playing record. And so at that, that point, the record's mentioned.
0: Right. Was the and last then the one, next one... No. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: Percy Thrillington was delighted that Mrs. Bedworthy was able to purchase a copy of his new album at her local music purveyor. And then it, they all then, from then on, start mentioning the single or the album. Right. You know, Percy Thrillington has returned to Newbury and is preparing to stay with friends for the badminton horse trials. He feels that a copy of his new album, Thrillington, would make an ideal gift for his hostess. That's on the day the single comes out then he mentioned Admiral Halsey uh, dressing as Admiral Halsey friends within the racing fraternity it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going and then album release day you basically have um, Percy Thrillington's condition is causing grave concern following injuries sustained at Newmarket in a gallant attempt to pluck hits pluck his latest single Admiral Halsey from beneath the thundering hooves of runners in the 330 no grapes by request Right. Uh, so uh, and it just clearly it made an impact because you've got stuff in here like someone wrote a letter saying, Sir, in you know, to the letters page of the Times, Sir, in company, no doubt with many others of your readers, I was most sorry to learn that Mark's cartoons would no longer appear in your paper. So a cartoonist had left. He says, Now there is only Percy Thrillington to delay my daily agony with your crossword So clearly people like spotting it and like opening it and looking for his the thrillington stuff in the it's a good in the ads. it's
0: it's good marketing isn't it it's um
1: yeah and then i mean even the times itself has like a an advert in for for months do people listen to you we are seeking six lively fun loving people who want to embark on an interesting and challenging career it's about people it's try to get people to join to sell advertising space but it says, the job is selling the benefits of classified advertising to private and professional people, from Percy Thrillington to large multinational companies. So they just keep using that.
0: He's become a, an enigma.
1: Yeah, but like I say, it doesn't reveal that it's McCartney until the late 80s.
0: No, but I think people would have known.
1: Well, would they have? Which
0: his music. Possibly. <laughs> and, he was, and he was like... Yeah. But, but I'm sure that, that some of that must have been... Yeah, re well, some I, of his team and things. and
1: Yeah, but if you go back to Billboard magazine in 1977 when the album comes out, it says one of the longest ever campaigns for a new artist supports the release of the LP, Thrillington. Uh, blah, 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 but the whole project is shrouded in mystery. While EMI is, EMI, while EMI is saying nothing about Thrillington's identity, there are strong rumours that McCartney is behind the project. Mm, yeah, because um,
0: it's a, a, an album of his album <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, with so, someone not
1: telling them who they are. <laughs> thrillington does exist as an individual hopefully he will make a personal appearance soon but he does spend a lot of time rushing around the country and he does seem to want to remain anonymous said a spokesperson mm. um it's
0: still yeah. it's it's fun it's a good interesting marketing a bit of a side project that i can yeah. see him having fun with he's always been good at his marketing and it's almost like he's a really really successful musician yeah who knows what he's doing um Great. Well, I think we need to leave it there, Paul, Um, given the the Thrillington epic.
1: The Thrillington is gone. The Thrillington is gone away for good.
0: I don't know what you're doing now. Some blues. Okay. (laughs) It's also about 500 degrees, so I'm slightly melting. Yeah, I also am. So, we'll go for now. So, we will see you all when we see you next. We were, we have, now is really, the end of Series 3, but we will be doing some specials, but they will be yeah. as and when over the next, I don't know, 12 months. We may have some other things to tell you about. Um, we'll see. We'll keep you in the loop, but do keep an eye on your feeds and on Twitter. We will, you know, when anything news coming out, and then we will be back. We will. Return, like at the end of a film where it says, The big sort will return cause it will, yeah, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you again,
1: bye, I love you, Beatles.